Welcome to the Creativity Cafe for the creatively adventurous and the relentlessly curious. We have inspiring conversations with creative women from all over the world. I'm Paige Baldwinando, and I'm a creativity coach who helps people maximize their creative potential. And I'm also a writer. And I'm Jordana Matsuda. I'm an illustrator on my creative journey with Paige helping me along the way. We're both long-term residents of Japan, a country bursting with creative energy that inspires us every day. So go grab a cup of tea and join us in discovering new creative landscapes here on the Creativity Cafe. Hello, Paige. Hello, Jordana. So I have a question for you. Yes. I know that you are very interested in interiors, right? Yes, I am. I love them. Right. So you like to look at them and you like to paint them, right? Like, yes. And, and you research them and deep dives on them. <laughs> and yep. <laughs> and you also like to, you know, create in your own home. Like you like to, to make your interior something that you want to be in. Like that's a real interest of yours, right? Yeah. Yeah. I really, I love to make a, a home that I love to be in. Because I'm here all the time, so. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested in, like, how those things relate. Like, do you find yourself attracted to visually? Like, when you're, like, looking at magazines or you're on Pinterest or whatever it is that you're looking at, the things that you love most aesthetically Mm -hmm. when you're just, like, enjoying the visual feast. (laughs) Yep. Are those the same things that you like to, you know, bring into your actual home and like have in your daily life? Oh, that's such a great question because that's like what I love to look at and what I actually um, live with in my everyday life is quite different. Mm. So I really love um, like a maximalist style. So lots of different colors and patterns and textures. And, you know, you walk into a room and you're like just blown away by just the combinations of everything. You know, it's like a, yeah, I just love that feeling. And I love looking at all the different, you know, interior designers and how they will incorporate different elements of that in their own work. And yeah, I like, I don't know if it's because if I was in England, maybe I would have more of a maximalist interior like mm-hmm. style. Um, so that's the one that's interesting. <laughs> I yeah. haven't thought about that before, but I wonder, yeah, because our homes in Tokyo are much smaller. Um, does that affect my my current taste? I'm not sure. But the way I live right now is like I do have color but it's in a it's in a simplified way um so I try and incorporate it through like textiles so like cushions or curtains or bed covers but it's not many different patterns all you know lovely clashing in a beautiful way together it's just one pattern <laughs> one mm-hmm. pattern that I really love with colors that I really love um so I think I tend to like pick out small bits of the things I really love and just kind of intertwine them throughout my home in a more subtle way. So I definitely feel the things I love to look at and things I love to paint are much more like gregarious and out there compared to how I live in my everyday life. I don't think I could, I don't think I could right now cope with like a big impactful room full of color. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think that would kind of stress me out. To be honest, <laughs> I don't. It's because like I have a nine-year-old, and just there's always stuff everywhere, you know, and it, Legos, and you know, that's maximalist. Wonderful, yeah. <laughs> Legos in itself. in itself it's just like its own maximalist, you know, carpet. Should we say? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's another interesting question, isn't it? Is like whether you know how much having children impacts our design choices Mm. because for me they've impacted them a lot you know we have a very small space and as you're saying like you know the homes in Tokyo are so utilitarian Mm. right I've often felt like when I speak with friends from Europe or Australia or anywhere like else in the world where we tend to have a little more space and we tend to like to have people over you know we like to invite people into our space and have our spaces be places where we commune you know where we have relationships that's not the way of thinking (laughs) that goes into creating homes in Japan at least in Tokyo I don't know about other parts of Japan but Mm. in Tokyo you know the space is meant for eating and sleeping and leaving you know (laughs) you don't have people over and I remember when I first was coming here I wonder if you heard this too before you came to Japan. Um, one of the things that I read over and over again was like, don't expect to be entertained in people's homes. Yeah, that's true. And, and it is, you know, until I had kids, I don't think I really went to people's homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you do have kids then, and it's rainy outside it's or whatever, likely. it's like, yeah, you, you might get invited over for a play mm. date or something like that. But yep. even that, in my experience, is relatively rare compared to what, you know well like when I think of a home when I you know culturally grew up with there was this feeling of like wanting to be there because the space is enjoyable and the space is meant to be like it's designed to be enjoyable it's yeah. designed to be lived in it's designed to be eaten in it's designed to be shared with people and the shape of the spaces and the, the furniture arrangements and everything was sort of with that in mind right yeah and my space here is very practical and utilitarian and there's not so much of that because there just isn't room for it yeah and I think that's like that's yeah that is fundamentally the difference like in the UK we have the space and it you know when they design a house it's with all those different aspects of living Mm-hmm. Whereas here it's like, how many apartments can you get within this yeah. square square <laughs> meter space? So they're coming at it from obviously UK is similar to that in you know financially that's what they're thinking too. But there is more thought put behind how do people use this space? Yes, how you know is it going to be most appealing for families or you know people who are purchasing the the, uh, the property? Whereas here, you know, yeah, it's very much. Let's try and squeeze in three bedrooms in this <laughs> tiny little apartment. There's <laughs> no space to do anything. It's like the economy class way of thinking of yeah, living. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. Oh my goodness. I've never thought of it. How little legroom. Yeah. Get... <laughs> What's the bare minimum? <laughs> what, is, yeah. what can we take away? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And that being said, you know, there are so many perks to living in Tokyo that do not have to do with my interior space. But, you know, so if I were to make a list of the things that I love about living here, 
you know, the interior of my home is not high on that list, Mm -hmm. you know? And when I think about living in the U S and what I might like about it, it is high on my list. The the Mm -hmm. comfort of like Mm -hmm. just a home, you know, that you can invite people to, and that you can feel like I want to be here, you know, is something that feels attainable there, Mm -hmm. you know? It's interesting because I think everybody has like a different take on on their home, don't they? Like, mm. and there's some people who just just they don't care. Just okay, everything can just be white. <laughs> yeah, everything can just be beige. Where and then there's no they just go out, they buy what they need, and that's it. Whereas you know, I just could never do that. <laughs> like from you know, I was painting my own bedroom when I was like sixteen. Right. Like, no, no, I don't like this. Get some paint. <laughs> let's change the change it up in here and I would you know I'd regularly repaint my bedroom and I'm often moving furniture around trying to like make my living room feel bigger than it is which is like (laughs) (laughs) in the hopes that oh it might feel more spacious Um, right if we just for me like my home is yeah (laughs) yeah 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 maybe you might feel a bit more you know um yeah, my home is like it's my it's my sanctuary. Like I, you know, spend so much time here, and it really makes me feel so happy when I have an environment that I walk into and I feel like, oh, this is just bliss. Yeah, you know, yeah. I There's do. it's psychologically so impactful when we walk into a space, what we feel, you know, immediately yes, when we yeah. do it makes such a difference, even when we don't realize it, you know, even when we're not conscious of it, it's there every day. And one of the things I do really like about my space is, um, it was completely remodeled when, before, right before we bought it, which is quite typical in Tokyo. If you're buying an older place, right, they'll remodel it, or they'll at least remodel part of it. But our place was completely remodeled, like head to toe, everything. Mm. And they put in this really beautiful white, flooring and the flooring and the walls are white which makes it feel a little bigger than it is Mm. but what I like about it is that we also have this um sort of southwest facing exposure where the sun comes in so beautifully in the afternoons um oh oh my goodness it's amazing when you come Mm. into the space and it's filled with light you know, and the white walls and the white floor, which we didn't change, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't change anything about it. Um, just make it feel, I don't know, there's an ethereal feeling to yeah. the light of it that I really enjoy um, about this particular space that we have. Yeah. And the light, light's so important as well, isn't it? Like yeah. when you don't have it, it affects your mm-hmm. your, for me it affects my mental state like absolutely oh, oh, yeah, yeah. it can be depressing otherwise the last place we lived had it was on the second floor and it was um surrounded by buildings so there was like a little sliver of light that would come in between like one and two p.m like mm. <laughs> some days and in the winter it was shorter and like you know um and that it did it impacted my way of thinking and it just felt dark you know, and here there's uh, so much to be gained that you don't even necessarily, again, like consciously think about what it means to have that light or that space mm. or that feeling of, that you enjoy your home. Yeah, definitely. 
So yeah, today's guest, L.C. Wolf, is um, an interior designer who gives a lot of thought to this type of thing that we're talking about, like how we feel in our space, what it's like to be there, and how we interact with it. Yeah, she really helps us to think hey, about how we can bring our own sense of, you know, sense of style, our own tastes into our living Mm-hmm. a living area yeah yeah and I think that's such an important thing to think about too when you know if we're doing something to our space very often it's gonna last a while at least yeah. a few years <laughs> like <laughs> unless it's cushion covers right <laughs> which yeah. are... <clears throat> but most of the time when we're thinking about what to do to our space it's something that's gonna last maybe even a decade maybe more than a decade and so it matters the choices yeah. that we make yeah yeah and that's why it's always good to go with your own tastes rather than like what the current trend is yeah Um, because it's your home that you're living in every day exactly nobody else else, you know has to live there so right go with what you love yeah yes right so let's uh dive into our conversation with l From her home near Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States, L.C. Wolf ushers her interior design clients into environments that reflect who they really are. Working with mood boards to guide the experience, she leads people from a home environment they might not really like to one that evokes positive feelings for them while ignoring what's trendy or trite. Welcome to the Creativity Cafe, L. Hello. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Hi. I I love interior design, so I'm really excited to talk to you today. (laughs) It's like my, uh, it's like my, my, I don't want to say hobby, it's like my passion that I love to look at it and research it. I'm not so good at the execution though, so yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. (laughs) I'm excited to be here too. So our first question is always, what is your first memory of doing something creative, Elle? Ah, yes. Um, You know, sometimes you don't know if you actually remember something for yourself or or if you always just remember family members telling you or seeing pictures of it. Sometimes you don't know (laughs) what your own memories are. But uh, growing up, there was a a photo of me in front of an easel like I must be like pre-kindergarten kindergarten age and I have you know pigtails and a uh, paintbrush in my hand and so I just always remember seeing that uh, picture of myself so but I don't know if I actually remember that for myself but I do remember growing up doing like painting by numbers and uh, you could get like little cat faces and mm-hmm. those with all the numbers. So Cute. I think that's my earliest and, and coloring with crayons. That was a big deal to have like the 120 box of Crayola crayons. Yes. Did they have the sharpener in the side? The little Yes. <laughs> that was how you know you had a really good box if there was the sharpener. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Would you say that color was an interest of yours from from early on? I don't think it was actually. Hmm. Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, it's funny. I think you go to design school and you kind of get a lot of things stripped from you, uh, <laughs> you know, in your formal training, quote unquote. Uh, but I don't remember color being a big deal, but uh, maybe it was, especially then as a kid. I mean, you know, everybody likes color. Yeah, it's fun yeah. to play with. Totally. Yeah. Did you grow up in a creative household? Like how much exposure did you get to like music or arts or that type of, or any type of creative pursuits? I think my mother's naturally creative. Uh, she was always a big DIYer and sewer, like, uh, you know, our clothes were made back then. Mm. <laughs> I don't think uh, many people actually make their children's clothes today, but uh, <laughs> I remember uh, selecting fabrics with her and uh, there was a dresser that was repainted and that kind of stuff was, was done a lot around the house. So uh, I think it was from my mom. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there is something different too, like seeing the people in your life make the things you need versus like just going out to buy, right? Like, yes. Yeah. There's like this ingenuity in this, you know, sense of, because my mother was not a sewist in any way. <laughs> and my husband's mother really was and still is. And all the photos of him and his brother, when they're small, she has made all the clothing. And I remember the first time I ever saw that, I was like kind of blown away that it was even, you know, of course it's possible, but I don't know. My mom was just like, let's go to the mall. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of I know, at least when I was for I think for two years, I was the only child. And so before my sister and brother came along. And so I know all of my clothes were were made. And my uh, grandmother sewed a lot. And my mother, uh, all of her clothes were made for her when she was, you know, younger growing up. But it was just the times when my mother was growing up, there were no malls. <laughs> Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and I can't really think of a mall, maybe until I got to high school, I think somewhere in the 80s, malls became popular. Mm -hmm. uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There were the catalogs and that kind of thing, the Sears right. catalog. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Catalogs. Yeah. <laughs> On actual paper. Yes. <laughs> well, I think there is something about seeing like the adults in your life making things for you that makes you realize like the possibilities yes hey you just oh if they could do it then I could try as well like I similar to you my mum did a lot of sewing when I was younger and both of her parents were the tailors and the seamstress and we always grew up with homemade stuff around like curtains, cushion covers, what have you. Um, <laughs> and just thinking like, oh yeah, I could do that. Like you feel like that feeling, oh, I could do that because you see your parents doing it. Yes. I think um, it gives you that sense of why not? <laughs> why not try? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's true. And I think it's yeah. just out of uh, necessity sometimes with uh, just the way we grew up, no one, thought about going to the store <laughs> right yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so will you tell us a bit about your path towards where you are today as an interior designer sure let's see I started 
I didn't. It's a second career for me as an interior designer. I started uh, out of college in retail. And so I started in fashion, actually. And I was like an assistant buyer for this huge discount department store, which wasn't very fashionable or fun. (laughs) 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 But it's what I ended up doing. And uh, it was good to get a job then because it was uh, 1989 and like the recession had just hit Uh. back then. And so it was incredible to even get a job out of college. So I did that for a couple of years. And then um, my husband uh, graduated from his master's program and he got promoted and we moved here to Georgia from Connecticut. I grew up in the Northeast. So uh, from there, uh, I, I didn't know, we didn't know anyone here. So we're, you know, a thousand miles or so from home. And I'm just trying to figure out what to do with myself. And my husband goes to work every day. And I thought, well, you know, I think I'm finally going to maybe look into taking some design classes because the Art Institute was here in Atlanta, where in Connecticut, I'd have to go to New York or someplace like Mm -hmm. that to go to school and did not want to do that. So uh, while I was here trying to figure out what to do, I enrolled in their program. And that's how... I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Interior Design. Uh, and from there, I worked in commercial design for a couple of years, which p- pigeonholes you. You learn a lot, but you get really pigeonholed uh-huh. uh, into doing <laughs> minutia. <laughs> uh, because I worked for a large uh, design firm where there were 200 interior designers, believe it or not. 200 wow. designers, I know, and 300 architects, and then various other staff. And we were on three floors on the 25th, 6th, and 27th floor of a building. And so there was uh, a lot. <laughs> and I was, uh, the studio I was in was the retail studio. So there we did malls. So those are big projects. So don't ask me how many linear hand linear feet of handrail there is in a mall. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! That's, yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of thing you end up doing. I remember they once uh, sent uh, maybe eight of us, eight interior designers, to a mall that was getting ready to open in Pennsylvania, and we for like three days. What we did was we took pennies. Uh, and we slid them across the tile floors. And if a, t- if a penny got caught, it, the thickness of the penny got stuck on a tile, we had to mark it with like blue tape because oh, that's a safety hazard, right. a, tr- a tripping hazard. And no one ever thinks of all of this stuff when yeah. you're in a mall. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what yeah. eight of us did for three days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> So it was not very creative after a while. I thought, oh my goodness, this is not what I went to design school to do. Right. So, yeah, that kind of minutia is yes, so I know. So far from and that's just today. one little I know. That's one tiny little aspect of it. So so yeah, I then went out on my own and I've uh, been trying to uh do residential. At least it was more personable with clients and more creative than that was so 
that's where I am now, uh, working for myself, <clears throat> just myself. Sometimes I'll have a, a virtual assistant help a little bit, but mostly it's just me. It must be such a different world in many ways from doing, you know, giant spaces to going to homes that are so personal and so private. Yes. Yes, it's completely different. And so, you know, there's pros and cons with that because people really have an opinion on their space and what they want to do and not do, which makes sense. I mean, it is their home. They have to live there. So you have to be mindful of that as well. It's just getting, you know, people to change a little bit. It's like you wanted help. You called the designer. So (laughs) (laughs) right. I imagine that there are times when, yeah, people have uh, maybe a rut that they've gotten into design wise. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're very resistant. Mm -hmm. Interesting. (laughs) What's an example of that? Can you think of an example of a something like that? Yes, I had a client uh, years ago that um, everything was beige. <laughs> everything uh. was just beige. And <laughs> she didn't like color at all. And uh, she wore just beige. It was just easier for her. And that worked. Uh, but she hired me and she wanted, she didn't want to change much. She just wanted a couple of new items, but she wanted it to look different. And it, it wasn't going to look different if you weren't willing to change anything. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's a, you know, big thing. So I think I finally, finally convinced her like, okay, maybe if we just paint this wall behind the sofa, what about that? If we just paint this so she's like, well, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try it. And I st- stuck with her taupey family, family color, but I went way down on the uh, paint scale there to the dark chocolatey brown at the time. Ooh. So this was in the 80s. And uh, although these colors are coming back now, but <laughs> it was kind of popular then. And so <clears throat> we painted that one wall. And she loved it. Then, I mean, she just couldn't believe she had never tried it before. And it was still within her, you know, tone, her range there of color. It wasn't suddenly like hot pink. Right. (laughs) It was still an earth tone. So, yeah, that was one. I think that's such a wise, it almost like, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, you must use some skills that are similar to coaching skills in many ways to kind of like very slightly encourage people out of their comfort zone into something expanded for them. Yes. Yes. It really is uh, a lot like that. It, you know, uh, designers amongst ourselves feel like we're therapists in a ways, especially if there's yeah. a couple. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I know. What he wants, what she wants. Oh, my goodness. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. something that you're kind of taught when you're learning about interior design? Because that is no. such an integral part of it at the beginning stages, I'd imagine. Yes, it is. Mm. But no, that's not taught at all. That should be taught, though. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, it's it's a lot of hand-holding there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've only once I've had like a consultation with an interior designer and 
um when you know I we didn't know each other and it even though I am a creative person I love interior design it was still hard for me to articulate like what I wanted um so that initial like rapport you build with the client must be so important to get to you know what they really want or what's like their inspiration or what have you Yes, yes. Mm. I think uh, technology helps a lot with that today because okay. there are things like Pinterest that we didn't yes, have before so or yeah. house.com or whatever, where people, you know, collect little inspirations. And before people used to maybe save things out of magazines or tear sheets if they, you know, had gotten that far to even purchase a magazine and look for what they liked. Uh, yeah. So it's it's much better today with technology and we can create questionnaires and uh you know color guides and that kind of thing to say you know where are you even some people may like color but some may only like earth tones and not jewel tones or some may only like pastels and not mid-range tones (laughs) and they maybe might not even necessarily have the vocabulary to be able to tell you that right exactly exactly (laughs) or uh or they're calling something, you know, something that, that they found on Pinterest, say, because Pinterest isn't necessarily accurate. It's just right what people have put out there. And so they may be saying, oh, I really like mid-century modern. And then you look at it and it's like, there is nothing modern. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that happens a lot. I'm sure it does. Yeah. And it's interesting, like as my children who are now 14 and almost 13 begin Mm -hmm. to navigate the internet, it's a conversation that we have all the time, how, you know, what you find on the internet, what people say something is, is not necessarily what it is. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But it's hard to remember that or even know if you're in a space that's new to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're a teacher too. <laughs> yes. yes. So many hats you wear there. <laughs> so many, so many. It's uh, one of those industries where you have to know yeah. so much going in. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about lighting, a little bit about electricity, a little bit about paint and how it works and color theory. There's uh, so many different things. <laughs> yeah. So when you when you first enter a space and look around with your designer's eye, so what are some things that you notice at first? Uh, for a client or just like anyone's home? Uh, anyone's really, yeah. Uh, probably, the, I mean, I'm not, uh, probably the walls, I want to say. And I, I also want to say that uh, as a designer, uh, going to a friend's house or a friend of a friend's house for Super Bowl parties or whatever, I'm not uh, judging your space at all. Like, I don't care, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I'm just there to have fun and whatever event we're there for. Uh, but if I'm there for a, a client or a potential client, uh, I'm looking around at, like at, at the whole, you know, what do they have uh, pulled together? And even, even then I'm not judging. I'm really asking them what's not working for them. And what do they need help with? It makes sense that, you know, what you're most interested in is like, yeah, what do you, 
what do you want? What do you want to shift? Like, what do you feel? What do you want? What do you want to feel that you're not feeling or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Working the function of a space. And, you know, if they tell me, oh, this is working fine. And personally, I may think it's not, but if it's working for them, fine with me. (laughs) (laughs) Where where, where can I help you? So uh, right, design is really about problem solving. That's really Mm. the heart of it. Um, And to do that creatively and to give people the space that they they want, the the look and feel they're trying to achieve. So much of it, I I think that we don't think about interior design as being about how something feels, but really at the heart of it, it's that's the essence, isn't it? More than how something looks. Yes, it's everything. It really mm-hmm. is. And how it functions is also uh, yes. extremely important how uh, it functions because something can uh, feel good, but not function well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it always looks great, but does not function well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, in design school, we always learn form over function, you know, function mm-hmm. over form. You know, mm-hmm. And that's what, what makes things uh, come together harmoniously right yeah because yeah it doesn't matter how good I don't know your kitchen island looks if you can't use it (laughs) because (laughs) it's in the wrong position or it's in the way you know and that's I think a a really good example because some people love islands and some people hate them right and it's it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) how does it work for you is exactly yeah yeah Yes. Uh, in that same vein, I have a, a new client right now that uh, is going to close on a property uh, in a couple of weeks. And the island actually, and the house was, has been currently updated by flippers uh-huh. and, and painted everything and slapped new um, courts on, <laughs> on everything. <laughs> Yes, but it's not really functioning very well because uh, it was an older home and they left uh, where the kitchens used to have desk areas in them mm-hmm. here in the States. And so they left that. They just painted it all out white. But no one needs a desk in the kitchen anymore. Right. And so she needs better storage. And they put an island on the side of the island I mean, they put uh, a, a nook where uh, bar stools can go underneath, but it's also on the same side where that desk is. It just makes no sense. She's right. like, what is this, <laughs> this island? So she wants <laughs> to extend it and, you know, take that countertop off and, you know, she have to replace it. But yeah, it's not functioning well at all. Uh, there mm-hmm. are only cabinets and very few drawers and yeah it's it's not working right yeah even though it's all updated and it looks exactly like what you would want from instagram but (laughs) it doesn't function well yeah and that actually leads really nicely into my next question which is that something you say is that the home is an experience and that design goes beyond the epidermis level of aesthetics and digs bone deep into the life a person wants. I love that. So how does this philosophy play out as you help someone design an interior space? 
Uh, I th it goes back to um, what they need and want and how things function for them, not necessarily uh, that it looks pretty or that it's the right color or uh, it's not surface level. It really is uh, asking lots of pointed and detailed questions. Are they right-handed? Are they left-handed? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so which side do they need the dishwasher to be on if they're uh, left-handed, maybe they want to need the dishwasher to be on the right-hand side versus the other side that everyone else always has it on. Uh, there's so many different aspects of the function of a space and what people need. Uh, if they, maybe they don't cook much at all. And so uh, a lot of that isn't important to them because they go out all the time. So it's really asking the lifestyle questions to uh, the client and to figure out what exactly works for them and their lifestyle and how they like to live or how they want to even live in their house. Because sometimes you live just the way you live because that's all you've had, <laughs> you know? Right. But, <laughs> right. But now you're uh, hiring someone to help you make the space better so, okay, let's actually make it better for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's never yeah. even crossed my mind to think about handedness in the functionality <laughs> of a space, but yeah, that makes yeah. so much sense. Yes, it really wow. does. You just blew my in, mind a little. Yeah, like, <laughs> in Japan, like Japanese work surfaces are quite low. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like, I've been living in my apartment for like 15 years or so now. And I feel like I'm always like leaning over to do everything. And I always wish if this was just 10 centimeters higher, my life would be so much nicer. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I completely something. know how you feel about that because yeah. um, uh, we never updated our uh, primary bathroom in our house. It's just such a big expense to do the bathrooms. We mm. did our kitchen maybe 15 years ago or so. Uh, but the countertop for uh, the woman's side, they have that little cutout area where you're supposed to sit down and do your makeup. Who does that? Like nobody right. does that. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so, and so the, my counter is very low. And my husband's side, his counter is inappropriate like 36 inch height uh and so I completely feel you because washing my face and yeah. brushing my teeth I feel like I just have to bend over so far yeah <laughs> when you're doing it you know more than you know three or four times a day you're like oh my god <laughs> I know. my neck my back <laughs> right <laughs> but I'm not a very tall person I'm only five four here I'm like who was this yeah height why is this countertop so well it goes to show like you know those things that we don't think about it has such an impact yeah you know the functionality of what we're using every day hey yes yeah yes. it really does yeah <laughs> and fun. i'm actually in the opposite position because i am only five feet tall like 150 oh. centimeters tall oh. and so 
here in Japan, everything suits me. And when I go back to the US, I'm like, what is this? You know, <laughs> everything's so high. But I, one thing I really dislike is bar stools and like oh, yeah. climbing up. It feels like I'm a koala climbing up <laughs> onto the bar stool. It just doesn't suit small people, no. you know. Yeah. And then you're dangling, your legs are dead, you know, like it's yes. just so uncomfortable. <laughs> Bar stools are not great all the way around. I don't think there are any that are really functional. <laughs> but almost all seating in the U.S. is very uncomfortable for me because it's made for people taller than I am. Yes. And inevitably my legs dangle, you know, and I'm yeah. like. <laughs> yes. It's, the, yeah. I do think the seating here is, it's massive. It's like, what in mm. the world? Who is this, you know, made for? <laughs> Everything is very big yes. there, yes. you know. Mm -hmm. And I will say, you know, I've lived in Japan for 20 years now. It's been a long time. But mm -hmm. the U.S. will always be my home. And when I'm going home, um, the the reverse culture shock that I have is almost inevitably around the size of things, you know, <laughs> because they just keep getting bigger. I know that super size <laughs> mentality going there. Right. You'll sit on a couch and it's like, wow, okay. Is this <laughs> Alice in Wonderland? Like, <laughs> yeah. For, for me, that sounds like a dream. I'm like, every time I go to a restaurant in Japan, I'm like, oh God, so low down. No. I'm like, my legs don't fit. <laughs> I know. Yeah. As I'm getting well, older, I feel like my knees are starting to get achy. And so when I need to like bend down now when things are low, I'm like, oh my goodness, like what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh gee. So it really, yeah, too. it really goes to show how how personal it is too. Mm -hmm. Really. In in our homes, we want to feel that we're using the space in a way that suits our bodies and our needs and all yeah. of that. And it's just not always available. Right. Us. it's true so yeah true. have you noticed like different generations have different requirements from their the spaces that they live in from generations yeah like hmm. do older people like thinking about like us with our knees and backs like <laughs> as people get older do they kind of are they more practical or do they still gravitate to like the you know aesthetic of things I think there's uh people are getting more conscious of uh, how things function as they age, because there's this whole, um, it's not trend, but philosophy of aging in place. Mm, yes. Uh, and so people are, are mindful of having the primary bedrooms on the main floor or living in homes where there are fewer stairs um, and having uh, toilet seats that aren't so low um, mm. and same for seating so that's it has become a uh, very mindful uh, today as, as people age and they want to stay mobile and stay functional in their homes uh, it's it's very it's a big thing now where people are being very conscious of that yeah because yeah, we know we're living longer and we want to be comfortable in our homes and live there for as long as we can, I guess. Hey, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's such an interesting thought. Like how we, yeah, as our needs sort of evolve, then our spaces need to evolve as well. 
Yes. So true. It really yeah. is. So I'm really interested in this like um, evolution and blending, right? I, as someone who's lived in both Denmark and Japan, I loved you had a blog post talking about this trend of Japandi, right? Like combining the Japanese and Scandinavian aesthetics yes. to create what you call warm minimalism. And I love that. Like it combines the huga idea, right? With yes. the, <laughs> the Japanese, um, yeah, kind of minimalism that is so stark and beautiful. And, and, you know, it's a trend, right? And trends are what they are that essentially they come and go. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm interested in like, how can blending in this kind of way, like thinking about the overlapping of different senses we enjoy or, or aspects we enjoy of different things, help us to find our own personal interior style? Uh, I think uh, a blending of, of styles, uh, helps people a little better than just defining one style to say, oh, I'm just traditional or I'm just Scandi mm -hmm. uh, because it provides uh, more opportunity for personalization and it provides opportunity for uh, more interest. I think I always in all of my projects blend styles together and blend an antique with a modern piece because just that juxtaposition, that tension between the two items uh, create interest in conversation. And that helps uh, blend uh, two people who are coming together to live together for the first time as you know, married couples, uh, then one doesn't have to totally give up their identity for the other person's. Uh, and that helps you come to what you what you truly love. You don't have to say, oh, I'm just, you know, modern or I'm just traditional. I mm -hmm. think there's real beauty in uh, blending multiple styles together. Mm. It's just yeah. how to execute all of that. <laughs> That's a right. part. I bet that can be tricky. Sometimes it can. I think some with the designer's eye, we somehow make it work. Um, and I don't know, there's not a real tried and true formula for it. It it just is. It's one mm -hmm. of those like, magic things that happens. I was just going to say, it's part of the magic. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> all these different skills that you're blending come together yeah. in this alchemy. Of <laughs> yes, it truly is. <laughs> Because yeah. sometimes people may have a, a vintage a vintage item or something that they want to pass down that has been passed down to them, a chest, a cabinet, a chair uh, that they want to use. And I think that's, that's great. You should use those things in your home. You have uh, a, a uh, affinity for them and there's history to it and there's story behind it. And I believe your home is uh you know part of your identity mm -hmm. and it helps to uh, create that story for yourself yeah you're kind of telling a story through the spaces that yes. you cultivate yeah and they're constantly changing over time right yes as... mm -hmm. 
I think things you evolve and move and shift and maybe you don't like that so much anymore and it goes to the guest bedroom and you buy something new (laughs) instead. (laughs) (laughs) So then it shifts and finally it's at the yard sale and you know. Right. (laughs) Or it's being given to a niece or nephew who's graduated from college or whatever. (laughs) whatever Yes, exactly. (laughs) So its story continues. Yeah, I love that idea, too, that the objects themselves do have their own life in a way, and they get to be part of our lives in a certain way that does evolve and change over time. And then, yeah, maybe are passed on to someone else or Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. if it's good quality, it's uh, I think, uh, you know, that's it's that can happen. So many things are made so disposable these days Mm -hmm. that. Oh, the landfills, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's terrible, but it's really good to reupholster and repaint and refinish things if you if you can, if they have the the substrate to withstand that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in Japan it's harder to find those things. I don't know. What do you think, Jordana? Like to me, yeah. like yeah. the really high quality pieces are rare here they're all they're extremely expensive like yeah that's what i yeah Mm. they're out of reach (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're so expensive it's not like you can go i and yeah there's not like the yard sale culture and there's not you know so very often yeah that kind of thing is out of reach and you end up going to ikea because that's Uh, all there is (laughs) or whatever mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, Ikea so- has some things that are have become classic and timeless over time too. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Mm-hmm. And certain looks are also like that is one thing I do enjoy about Scandinavian design is there's a a sleekness or a way, you know, where they're not um obtrusive, you know. Yes. And so they can stand the test of time a lot of time. Uh yeah. or a lot of the time. I, I, I like that. Yes. It's it's true. I think uh like they're lack uh council tables i mean it's just like three it's just a top with like four legs you know it's, mm-hmm. it's basic it's simple i think they may change what finish it comes in from a, every couple years or so um you know sometimes it's just in a dark espresso wood when espresso wood was so popular mm-hmm. and now it's like in a blonde or more gray kind of wood but um it's 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 really you know there are things that are timeless as well because they're just so clean lines mm-hmm. yeah yeah do you find a lot of your clients do they tend to want to go with the current trends or are they or do they just want to get your advice or do they have very strong ideas like do you see any like patterns or trends with your clients of things they want that type of thing um i think most people they don't know what they want honestly and they think they want the trend it's just because that's what they see all the time and uh the thing is it's by design (laughs) you know Mm. the stores have to keep people you know coming in there year after year and they have to change the colors and um, that kind of thing. And so 
when the farmhouse trend was going for like the past 10 or 12 years, it was like, oh my goodness, you live in New York City. You do not need <laughs> farmhouse. You do not need <laughs> shiplap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So a lot of the time, it's just because you're just bombarded with whatever the trend is. And so they think that's what they like. Um, but I really try and encourage people to find what they truly really love and not go with the trends. Uh, and some things that have become trendy have been classics. They're not mutually mm -hmm. exclusive. It's just that for some reason... Uh, the public has focused its eye on it now. And so it's back again, you know, things are cyclical and they've come around again. Uh, like I mentioned with the dark wood, like everything was dark wood in the eighties. And then all through um, the two thousands, everything switched over to gray and everything was yeah. gray, gray, gray. And now everything's kind of swinging back to browns and earth tones and um, uh, cinnamon kind of colors. Mm. And so, yeah, there's always a, a shift. So I think color is coming back um, a lot uh, versus the all white and cream and uh, gray spaces that we saw for the past 12 years or so. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think about, too, like the psychology of how those types of color um, clouds, I don't know what to call them, like color <laughs> trends, yeah. uh, affect children growing up in those spaces. Like, I grew up in the 80s, and you didn't know, if you did not know somebody with an avocado, avocado green kitchen, yes. <laughs> like, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. And you knew somebody with you know, like brown shag carpeting in their yeah. den and like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and everything like in my memory, when I remember my childhood, it is so, the colors are so vivid, right? Mm -hmm. Oranges, browns and avocado greens. Yes. Like that's in her what I, gold. right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I remember mm -hmm. so clearly. And it creates a feeling in my body, yes. right? When I see avocado green now, because mm -hmm. it's so, it's rare. Now. Yes. yes, it is. It really is. <laughs> so it makes me wonder about like, you know, that type of like how, how it shapes the little minds. <laughs> I know, it's true. So uh, I, yeah, that's, uh, it's so true. And I think the other, I guess the metal color of the time was copper. Uh -huh. That was like the, <laughs> the finish that was uh, popular with all those earth tones. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I wonder what our kids will remember as the the colors growing up. Um, I didn't follow the gray thing. And so <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting to ask them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in a couple of years, like what colors do you remember? Like as your, as your home was, as what was right. popular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. But how about like your, we've spoken about like trends and stuff like that, but how would you like describe your own personal style? So your living space, like what's, what do you love in your, in, in, in your home? I like modern 
things. I'm like the warm or the warm modernism <laughs> person. Mm -hmm. But I do like things with a little sheen. Uh, I used to say I was kind of like a mix of organic and modern and a little glam. So I had kind of coined myself orglamic at one Oh, point. oh no, I like that word. <laughs> and so it's just a combination of the earth tones, but I love black and white. Um, that's always like a favorite color combination. And I love uh, animal prints, anything that's a cheetah pattern or a leopard pattern. Mm. Uh, so that's like my little glam bit there. Uh, and, um, and I like uh, the earthy. I'm usually like a, a muted tone color person. Rarely do I uh, have anything like jewel toned or pastel. I'm like in the middle with like muted um, bronzy colors and cinnamons and uh, all the spice colors. <laughs> mm, I like that. <laughs> yes. Just hearing about it feels warm. Yes. Yes. I think, uh, and I think it's from growing up in the, in the Northeast because it was always so cold there. And yes. Yes. <laughs> and it <laughs> plays into kind of what we were just talking about with how we grew up and everything we can, you know, think of everyone's house almost look the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. still there for the most part. And yeah, like when I think, so I grew up in New Jersey, not too far from where you grew up in Connecticut. And, um, you know, the winters being as long and snowy as they were when yes. we were young, mm -hmm. like you just would want to like go inside and hibernate in a way, like yes. <laughs> and have that like warm, warm. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> so oranges and yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Terracottas, all those warm mm -hmm. colors. <laughs> You know, every year they have like color of the year, either from Pantone or the different like paint companies. How do you feel about when those colors get announced? I think it's, it's fun. I mean, I take it with a grain of sand, salt, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's something to talk about, uh, but I wouldn't, you know, go paint my whole house in yeah. whatever the color of the year is um the current color it's it's pretty i think sharon williams did a it's like a terracotta pinky something i forget what the exact color is mm. but i think it's fun i mean you'll see it everywhere come yes. spring yes yes yeah. <laughs> it is a pretty color it's a vibrant color you know yes. and i wonder too like i think about again, I'm going to come back to the psychology, but like, you know, coming out of, or at least, you know, hopefully moving as far from the pandemic as we possibly can, moving ourselves into, I don't know, like a, just a different phase, you know, I wonder if there's some gravitation towards brighter, upbeat kind of colors that feel, um, you know, yeah, yeah, like they're bringing us out in a way. Yes. I agree. I think um, that's absolutely part of the, the mindset of it as well. Uh, I remember in design school, I was so uh, shocked and surprised to learn uh, in studying art history, you, of course, always study the culture of the people and 
what was going on in the political climate at the time. And usually uh, what is represented in the classics, the art from the Renaissance and onward, uh, it was, it's what was going on in society. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that's just a, a subtler shift today with the color of the year or whatever they're calling it mm. these days but yeah it's really it's really interesting to to see if people will embrace it or not uh, but I think people are, are liking it mm -hmm. yeah 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 it's, it is it is a pretty color yeah. you won't be able to get away from it they kind of shove it at you so strong and hard and then you're right. tired of it <laughs> yeah 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 right because <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading something yeah like what you're saying like culturally how like us coming out of the pandemic has made everyone really move away from more like like greys and you know grey was such a huge you know trend for a long huge. time yeah mm -hmm. like people want to feel like like a cocoon in you know, their home to be like a cocoon like a loving warm kind of you know place to live in not like a cold more sterile feeling mm -hmm. um yes. because the pandemic was so sterile like literally yeah, <laughs> so yeah. cleaning everything all the time yeah it's really I really love that you know thinking about how like things that are happening in our daily lives and how that affects you know our feeling with you know color and our environment um it's really interesting um do yeah. those kind of things yes it's true I don't know how the gray what started with the grays I don't I don't know how that yeah. came to be but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and we spent so much time in our homes too like during lockdown yes. and all of that that I think you know for many people it was like okay what do I really like what yeah. do I really mm -hmm. want this to exactly. be mm -hmm. I don't have the time or energy or space to like you know have a treadmill that I'm using as a clothes hanger like right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. whatever like <laughs> I need to homeschool these kids over here yeah. right yeah. exactly yes <laughs> <laughs> so Elle, what's a project that's currently lighting you up? Uh, I think my current uh, kitchen renovation project that I'm working on, uh, that's uh, kind of fun and great to come around mm. to. Uh, I don't do very many re renovations, uh, so that one's great. And uh, I'm also, you know, really liking... Uh, the deeper, richer colors that are like coming into play mm. uh, these days. And I've been doing a blog post trend on uh, moody spaces and creating moody rooms uh, with various colors. It doesn't have to necessarily be black or brown, but uh, can be a, a deeper green or uh, a deeper yellow color or something. Just uh, just to kind of get people to shift towards uh, personalization and to not be afraid to try something. It's just paint, you know, paint is usually the least expensive uh, thing you can do to transform a space. Yeah. Change the feeling of it. And you can do so much with it, yeah. really, change, yeah. in, in terms of changing the feel. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I've really been trying to... Um say that to my husband because he's very we have very different styles very very different <laughs> tastes um yeah. he's very minimalist white and I'm very like 
you know texture rich you know contrasting colors so it's like a constant compromise <laughs> right, that's my line I'm like it's just paint it's just paint over it and I'm... it's true <laughs> I think that in a way I think the you know the pandemic has made him kind of um embrace other ideas than just you know the whiteness so um mm. I, re I really liked your article about the moody um interiors because I do like because we live in a small apartment so having like a one room I wanted to be like dark so that kind of like cocoon feeling um yes. but he's he's still not on board with it though so it's oh. a work in progress that one <laughs> Oh no, do it, do it, do it. Maybe you could talk to him, Mel. I know. Really. I'll make him listen to the podcast. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, at least uh, you know, bedrooms are good uh spaces to experiment in or you know, little bathrooms or powder rooms. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm aiming for my my uh my um powder room. Yeah, get him to do that one. So we'll see. I'll keep oh. you posted. <laughs> yes, let me know. <laughs> it's small. What can it hurt? Exactly. I know. Exactly. It's like, yeah, the idea to have a little jewel box, you know, you yeah, just go right. in. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think maybe my storytelling um, needs to be, I need to up my game, the narrative <laughs> around what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, story sell it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listening to you, I've realized that now. Okay. <laughs> It's just about the right vocabulary and yes. the right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So, um, Al, so how do you deal with any obstacles that come up when you, you know, working through a creative project? Obstacles. Mm. I guess it depends on what the obstacle is. If it's a mm. stubborn husband. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, that's exactly it. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm not sure. Like I said, we, you know, I try when it's, uh, you know, two people to to balance and to, uh, I guess, get them involved and to really, you know, see that it's change isn't that bad. A lot of people are really resistant to change. And so it depends on, you know, what the obstacle is and how to handle it. Sometimes it's, it's budgetary constraints. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, it's just impossible to do what you want to do within the space. Uh, and so it's always just trying to come up with various ways to change things um, and to help them see the change and to, you know, go along uh, with it. So you might have to just try painting just, you know, one little wall. Maybe it, since it's a bathroom, maybe if you just paint the ceiling, that's one small little space there. Mm -hmm. And that might, you know, or paint the door to the bathroom, the inside even, <laughs> the, the right. side that you don't see from the hallway or the bedroom or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. And you kind of get them used to it a little bit at a time and, you know, until you move to okay just paint the whole thing already mm. yeah like small changes yes. can very often change our perspective in in significant ways without us realizing that they will like we don't think it will have that impact but yes mm -hmm. yeah 
What about when you are trying to work on a project and then you're feeling just kind of stuck and like, mm, I'm not sure what to do next with this project? Yeah, sometimes it's, it is, it's good to just to leave it if you can, yeah. just let it go and come back to it the next day or a couple of days, go do something else. And then either a solution uh, will come about to solve the problem or it just wasn't going to work and you're trying to force something that you know doesn't really look good and it's not gonna be successful so it's like all right let me just start all over scrap that idea mm -hmm. That's yeah the, the thing with design is sometimes there's just iterations after iterations especially if you're just working on paper or with drawings at first because you can change your mind so many times before you actually go to implement. And that's the place to play, really, to spend all the time you want, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Trying different colors, trying uh, pull out, pulling out different uh, fabric swatches or paint samples and go from there. I always say you can just spend as much time in uh, thinking and iterations as you want. And right. then go from go from there until you narrow down all your selections like okay this is it yeah I love that thinking of it as playing and then you know what I often think about with writing too because I think it's similar like you know we're not standing up on a stage dancing right it's right. not in the moment like we don't mm -hmm. have to get it exactly right right, right. now mm -hmm. we get to toss out anything that we don't like or we don't want anybody to see and so in that way we can get dirty, we can get messy, we can play, we can just like see what happens and also look stupid, you know? <laughs> like yeah. <it's, laughs> we can look stupid in front of just ourselves and enjoy that, the fun of that actually, that there mm -hmm. is the playful element to it. And then, yeah, no one has to know. <laughs> it's true, it really is. So if you paint it and you don't like it, then just paint over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. liberating thinking that way in yes. so many ways. Yeah. Yes. I mean, unless, you know, some big expense, which, you know, a small bathroom, it's just tedious, but it's not, you know, it's the cost of paint in the weekend. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So Elle, where could our listeners find you online if they would like to go check out more of uh, the blog we mentioned or just learn more about you? Sure. Uh, it's uh, my name, L-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, my middle initial C, Wolf, with an E at the end, W-O-L-F-E dot com. And I'm also uh, lcwolf dot com on Instagram and Facebook. Yay. Thanks so much. We really, it's such a fun conversation to have with you today. Thank Thanks you. for being with us. It. Now it's time for our Ask Us Anything section. So Paige, can you tell us what's today's question? Yes, this question comes from Sarah in Japan. And she says, hi guys, before moving to Japan, I had a regular creative practice that I loved, which was printmaking. But our space here is so limited and there's nowhere I can keep things set up without putting them away every day. That's a pain and makes me drag my feet on starting anything because all I can think about is the mess I'm gonna have to clean up after. Half the time I just give up before I even start. Do you have any recommendations for me? Oh. Whew, I feel this one. Yes. 
I think anyone who's ever lived in a small space and likes to do anything visual or anything, you know, any project that requires space can really feel this one. Yes, definitely. It is it is tricky, isn't it? Like, what do you do, Paige? Like, do you have any things that you found helped you to kind of get through yeah. the cleaning up and setting up process? Yeah, our space is so limited that... I have a daily practice of um, like tidying things up at the end of the day because otherwise it would be unlivable. <laughs> like <laughs> it's that kind of situation. So I'm trying to remember how, because I, I, I think I basically started that when I had small children. And I'm trying to remember how I got into that. Um, and I think it was really about, you know, kind of similar to like how you think about brushing your teeth, right? Like, it's a, it's a thing I do, you know, I do it no matter what <laughs> I do it, even if I'm tired, I do it no matter what. And I, you kind of switch yourself from the frame of thinking of like, oh, this is such a drag and I hate it to this is what I do, you know? And in some ways, what has helped me too has been to think about instead of like, I have to, the I get to, you know, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like instead of the uh, have to clean up this mess, it's like I get to do this creative work. And part of that is putting this stuff away. Now, I do think there's something to be said for like creating a logistical solution that doesn't suck, whatever mm -hmm. that might be. So like, you know, if the logistics can be as least annoying as as possible as less annoying as possible what's, what's the grammar there <laughs> but if the annoyance level can be minimized let's go let's go with that I think that's really helpful too like if you just have like a bin let's say a big plastic tub that you toss things into and let that be okay like let that be enough lower the bar for okayness I think that can really help as well yeah how about you have yeah you experience yeah, I think for me, coming from a like, practical point of view, like what well, I really like what you said is I get to. I think in terms of our internal dialogue, that's a really nice way to kind of jump into doing those things. Mm -hmm. And also like two systems that have worked well for me are having one of those, it's like a craft trolley, <laughs> you know, like those IKEA three-tier trolleys. Yes. Um and just keeping all my art stuff there and I can move it around my apartment anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if it's at the dining table and I'm doing my artwork there, I can just bring it there. And it's easy to tidy stuff away once you've finished. Um, mm -hmm. That's one way. Another way for bigger stuff, like she was saying, um, printmaking, for example, is like a big kind of flattish um, tray or box that goes under my bed. Yeah. So yeah. rather, you know, having a dedicated space to tidy away your artwork kind of makes it easier to jump in and out of, I found. So yeah. I'll just pull that out from under my bed, take out the things I'm working on, and then you put it back when I've finished rather than having to always find somewhere new or it can, you know, it is like logistically, you know, it can be a bit annoying. But once you, like you said, once you've got into the habit of doing that, um, it becomes easier and it's just like I do this in order to do the thing I love yeah yeah mm. and I think there's also a piece of it like like that what you're saying there to hook into that like the to hook into the pleasure element of it you yeah. know 
I think is really helpful because ultimately, you know, why are you doing the creative thing? It's because you like it, you know? And so if we can focus on that and bring the focus to, um, you know, the experience that you enjoy or the aspect of the experience that you enjoy and let the other part just be, you know, sort of supportive of that, you know, Mm -hmm. so in order to do the thing I want to do, I also do this less pleasurable aspect, but that's okay because I get to do what I want to do. Yeah. 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 I think it's one of those things that, you know, at first it does feel um, somewhat annoying to do, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the reward, you know, you can feel that reward more and more um, the more often you try to, you Mm -hmm. know, go through the sticky bits (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah and then it's just like a thing you don't even think about anymore like brushing your teeth it's just like well do it I don't think about should I do it (laughs) I just do it Mm. (laughs) this is a great question and I really appreciate it because I do think that a lot of the time when we're thinking about a practical question like this um, we think it's about the practical element you know and maybe it is but also sometimes the practical element is like a little bit of a way of getting in our own way, you know? And (laughs) that's another question to ask yourself is, you know, how much do I actually want to do this? You know, because if you don't, that's also okay. You know, if there's something else that's more interesting to you now, that's also okay. If it's not motivating enough to make it so that you want to find a solution, that's fine. Is there something else that might be, equally interesting or even more interesting and might suit um, your space in a way that printmaking doesn't. Thanks so much for this question, Sarah. And we love receiving questions from you all. Um, You can send us more questions anytime you like, and we will happily answer them. You can uh, contact us on Instagram. We are at the creativity cafe 21 on Instagram and you can DM us there or leave us a comment on one of our videos or what was the other way, Jordana? Um, you can go, if you are on um, Apple and listen to an Apple podcast, you can go to the review section and there's a box there. So you can type in your question in the review box and we will read it and <laughs> we can put it in one of our episodes. Yeah. So please do do that. We love hearing from you and uh, are looking forward to the next question. Thanks for joining us today on the Creativity Cafe. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. And follow us on Instagram at thecreativitycafe21 for special updates and sneak peeks behind the scenes. Catch you again next time. Keep creating.